Welcome to Boost Power Podcast. Inspiration, insights, and ideas for your business and your journey. Hi, this is Betsy Wiersma, and welcome to Boost Power Podcast. Today is the first day of the rest of your life, so make it a great one. Learn something new, meet somebody new, make a different choice, hear a great story. You are going to have so much fun today. This is the second time Boost Power Podcast guest. You all listened to her the first one, I know, even in Ireland. I know you loved her the first time. You're going to love her more this time because we're past the COVID, as we have to say. Um, we're, we've learned a lot, done a lot since we've seen her last. Dr. Janine Davidson, PhD, President, Metropolitan State University, Denver, Colorado. Welcome to Boost Power Podcast. Thank you, Betsy. It's super fun to be here. Well, I, I love having you on the show for many reasons. Um, first, because you're just a rock star. And um, I, I'd say my girl crush on you is because you have lived in so many worlds and always had fun, made great choices, and um, accomplished great things. And I think people look at you and say, how the heck did you do all that? <laughs> so the purpose of Boost Power Podcast is to talk about the, gen- the Janine, the human, you know, and the choices and how um, you made choices to get to where you are today. Because people would say, you know, I'm president of a major university that's rocking it. Anchor University for all Colorado, um, but there was a long path to here. So the, for the people that didn't hear the first podcast, let's go back a little bit. Like, how did a nice girl like you <laughs> get to a place like this? And and a little bit about your military service, because I think some of that really probably helps you today. Sure. Thanks. Thanks. Well, you know, it's funny because I feel like, you know, if somebody would have told me I was going to be a university president someday, I would have been like, what? You know, but I do feel like when we talk to people that are in jobs or in careers and fairly successful and also loving what they do, they often say that, right? They often say, I never thought I would be here. So that's definitely like how I start that kind of journey back. But um, yeah, I started my career in the Air Force. I don't think even at the time I thought I would make a career out of the Air Force. Remember back in the 80s, they used to say, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines is a great place to start. And so Mm -hmm. um, it helped me go to college. I got an ROTC scholarship to University of Colorado Boulder, which was fabulous. Um, But I wanted to be a pilot. I grew up, um, my dad was in the Navy. um, And so we lived on some Navy bases. We lived on this one in Virginia that had these jet planes that used to fly around F-14s. And so I was like, well, I'm going to fly those. Yeah. Um, Hey. Yeah. Of course, you know, I tell the story all the time now, but... uh, I I went in for my Navy ROTC interview, and um, they asked me what I wanted to do in the Navy. And I said, I want to fly F-14s off of aircraft carriers, of course. Yeah. <laughs> what red-blooded American girl doesn't want to do that? Yeah. And he said, they don't let girls fly fighter planes. And I, like, what? N- nobody had ever told me that. And yeah. so I was sassy and, you know, irreverent. And I said, you know, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Don't you think that's going to change? And he said, absolutely not. So I didn't get the Navy ROTC scholarship because, you you know, note to um, all those young women out there, don't sass off in your interview. (laughs) First note, (laughs) just not, just hold that back, just a little. And so, yeah, I went out in the hallway where my dad was waiting and I said, you know, like that was a key piece of information that would have been helpful for that 
interview. And he yes. said, well, okay, let's try Air Force. Like, don't yeah. sass off in the interview. Yeah. And um, Round two. Yeah. And they have cargo planes that they, yeah. they're not fighter planes. And so I did that. I, I got the Air Force scholarship. And even then, there weren't very many women. So, you know, I didn't set out to be some sort of, like, feminist trailblazer. Um, but I, I guess I was, right? You know, because there weren't very many women. And I was the first to fly that one C-130 cargo plane. Never asked for any of that, right? And I think that's another sort of, you know, <laughs> career lesson, you know. Um, so then I did that for about nine or ten years and then got out of the Air Force, went back to graduate school to just pursue my intellectual passion. Had no idea where it would take me, but I just knew that, you know, I was kind of forced to study engineering to get that scholarship, which I frankly wasn't very good at, <laughs> as yeah. reflected in my GPA. Yeah. Um, but I went back to school and studied international relations, U.S. foreign policy, and that was really you can an see just even when you talk passion. about uh, engineering, yeah. no life, <laughs> foreign yeah. policy. Yeah, that's a lot more of my thing. Yeah, true. Right. I mean, I could talk to the contractor who's fixing stuff at my house. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's about as good as I can. <laughs> re, re, retention. Yeah. 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 So yeah, so I did that, and then that kind of brought me into a whole new world. Right. I mean, I thought I was going to leave all this military stuff behind me. I thought I was going to go into international development you know, maybe go work for an NGO, but I kept getting kind of sucked back into, you know, why are we bombing Kosovo? And I end up writing my dissertation about the military and, and how the military um, had to adapt to all these different kinds of missions and how they do humanitarian things and counterinsurgency. And um, that brought me to Washington where, lo and behold, we we're in the middle of this ridiculous, crazy war that we never should have got into, um, Iraq um, and Afghanistan. And so I, I kind of ended up in that community of people that were trying to work on unfarkling the, <laughs> the war. I was at Think Tank and that kind of thing. And then, um, yeah, so then I went into the Pentagon a couple times, once as a civil servant, I think during the, the Bush era. And then I went back out and I was in, you know, uh, I was a professor at George Mason, and then I got sucked back in again. <laughs> in and out, and in that, and out. Yeah, yeah, it is. And that is kind of what happens in Washington. People go in and out, right? And that's actually one of the good things about our system. People call it a revolving door, but it actually is a refreshing door, right, right. in a way. You go out and you, 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 you recapitalize your brain. Like you start, you can think for a while, and then you go back into the Pentagon, and it's all go, 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 go. You come back out again, and you... You can reflect and and kind of works. Um, so I did that three times. I went in um, working on the Iraq War stuff, and then I came back out, and then I went back in as the Deputy Assistant Secretary for Plans. So I had all the war plans. Wow, <clears throat> which was actually a really cool job. You know, I mean, th just note to you know your listeners, we have war plans for everything. Like ninety nine point nine 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 percent of them will never be executed. Amen. Uh, and, you know, just because I don't want to go down off because we could go off in a huge tangent. Yeah. But war plans for how war used to be before cyber war and all the new. You right. know, I think in the day right. you were talking about war plans, you were talking about how do we have troops. Oh, we and, had both. Yeah. yeah we, that was when we were, you're right, because this was like 2008. So starting the cyber war. We were starting cyber and we, you know, that was an issue. And it was a huge issue because it's sort of like, what's the military's role in this, you know, and space and oh, all those kinds of things. Goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's complicated. But yeah, that's but a whole gonna, other topic. We're going to talk about the current <laughs> life. It's much happier than the yeah. war. Uh, yeah. But the military does also real, a lot of good stuff, too. And Amazing frankly, things. you know, one of the things we did is pandemic planning. 
Well, that's I mean, the military amazing. does that stuff, yeah. you know? And so then here we find ourselves in a pandemic. I'm like, oh, I've seen this before. Yeah. <laughs> There's a model. Yeah. There's a model. Yeah. And, um, and then the last one I did was the undersecretary of the Navy, which is like a pretty high level second in charge of all the Navy and the um, Marine Corps. That was a pretty amazing little experience. But it was short because um, I was only there for like a year when uh, the Trump administration came in and we all had to. Move and there on. was a change. And then See? I came here. That was a constant change. <laughs> well, everybody who knows you and who is in Colorado has said, thank God, <laughs> because you have been such a blessing to bring all that experience. But not only that, your vim and your vigor and your passion and your problem solving and your intuitive skills, you know, all those things. So, um, so how in the world did you come from Washington and all that mm-hmm. and then get lucky enough for Colorado that Metropolitan State University found you in such a renaissance time for this university. Because yeah. I grew up here and I would hear of Metro in downtown Denver, but I didn't know much about it. And mm-hmm. since I've learned about it and since your leadership and your fantastic team, yeah, that's amazing. all amazing, um, I really can see the Anchor Institution and I see who you serve and it's fabulous. So um, yeah. how did they find you? Well, let me start by saying I did not build all that. Um, I stood on the shoulders of Steve Jordan, who really took this place to from Little Metro State College to Metropolitan State University. And so I launched from there. And you're right, building a team that is out there in the community that is living that trajectory. So yeah. we all we all stand on others' shoulders and of we all course. yeah. So um yeah, well, you know, when when Trump got elected, you know, we all get to move on. And I uh sat back and thought, what the hell just happened in America? <laughs> you know, I mean, I'd been in, I realized that I was in a bubble. I looked in the mirror and I said, how did I, you know, public school girl mm-hmm. <laughs> end up in this, you know, Washington DC bubble. And, um, what is going on in America? You know, I just, and, and so I knew that I, I needed to take some time to think about what I wanted to do next. Um, and I knew it had to be mission driven. You know, I went to go talk to some headhunters and it's like, oh, so what am I going to, I mean, a lot of people come out of these jobs and they go, they sit on boards or they go to the corporate world, make some money for once in their lives, mm-hmm. you know. And I was sort of like, ah, you know. And then this actually opportunity came to me by through the my military assistants that worked for me, these high-level um, Navy officers. And they came in and they said, boss. Like they like literally were looking, boss needs a job. And I'm like, no, the boss needs to go to a spa (laughs) and recover from all this stuff. (laughs) And and they said, no, we found this. Like there's this job in Colorado and it's a university president. You know, Bob Gates was a university president. He was secretary of defense. Like it it fits. And and plus you love Colorado. And I was like, God, you guys like know me. Yeah, really. (laughs) It was kind of creepy. I was like, yeah. And I said, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Um, higher ed would never hire somebody like me. I'm not considered a normal president. And they were so persistent. They kept coming in and said, well, look at all the things that it says that, that a university president does. Like you do that. It's like, you know, passion for the mission, you know, resource constraints and budgets, working with the legislature, um, you know, passion for students. They, they were like students, sailors, same thing. You love them. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> they actually said that. And yeah, I was like, yeah. that's true. I do love true. students. I do love sailors. Yeah. And so... I said, all right, fine. And sit down. I'll call a headhunter right now. I said, so I see you got this job advertised and, you know, would they, I'm not going to waste time applying if the, if they're not going to consider. Right. And she said, well, Metropolitan State University of Denver is a different kind of place. 
and I think that the board might consider your application. Whereas they're, you know, they might want what they consider a non-traditional. Although I consider myself hybrid because I have some academic experience. Yeah, I'm not just like coming that, off yeah. the. Um, and so I went home that weekend and wrote a letter and yeah, and that the rest is history. The rest is rock and roll history. But really, I mean, the thing was, I came to the campus and it was like you could feel it. Mm-hmm. I was like, there's something happening here. It feels like there's a vibe and it and it fit. Well, and for everybody listening, we always try to say, you know, how is that me? How do I see me in Janine? And I would say, you know, where does she go back to? After rest, much deserved, she went back to, I want a place for passion. I want a place for purpose. I love my sailors. That translates into loving a student. Mm -hmm. I know about budgets. I have taught before. I understand academics. So she took some things that she knew but was open to what was possible. And Mm -hmm. possible will be a theme we'll talk about in the second half. We're going to go to break. You're listening to Boost Power Podcast. You are listening to Boost Power Podcast with your host, Betsy Wiersma. We are part of the Global Sisterhood Podcast Network, women who amplify their voices and are committed to inspiring all people with podcasts on purpose. Enjoy these true stories and proven business tips for your business and your life. Now, back to Boost. And we're back. I know you didn't want me to take the break, right? You always do that. You're like, stop it. Don't do the break. Um, Dr. Janine Davidson, now here in Denver, Colorado, we're so lucky, president of Metropolitan State University, and just having fun in a great way, which benefits students, benefits faculty, benefits alumni, and most importantly, as an anchor institution, really benefits Denver, because can you imagine all of you listening that are involved in corporations and businesses having a pipeline that's in your city to train up your workforce and a diverse, well-educated, balanced, fired up pipeline of workers? I know you're all thinking you're moving to Denver. Uh, So tell me about possible, because funny that you're going to see I have a ring that says possible. Possible is an important word for me. Super cool. And I know that, you know, possibility is what you've kind of built your your whole leadership mm-hmm. around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it, our leadership, that's right, the mission of this university, and even, you know, sort of the marketing branding of last year, we thought, well, this is what we do. This is who we are. Like, reimagine possible. Come here and reimagine who you might be. And I know, Betsy, I'm trying to uh, recruit you to come here at, yeah, at this stage it, in your life. Right. I'm, I'm actively considering w- not what or if, kind of which, um, which thing I want to at least audit. I just keep waking up having those dreams, you know, when you never got, when you never went to class at all, you're in college, you're running through the hallways and you know, there's a test. Oh, I'm, And I still have that nightmare, like at Purdue, brick walls. And I'm like, I never went to that class ever. I think there's a test. And I'm like, can I do that in my 60s? Uh, stay tuned. This will be an interesting that, podcast adventure. That actually happened to me in real life. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't want to take a test, but um, I'm willing to learn this stuff and I'll be nice to everyone. So, but I mean, that you're exactly that. I mean, this place is special. This isn't just a marketing pitch. It's like, it's, it is what it is. I often say, I don't advocate for MSC Denver because I'm the president. I'm the president because I believe in the mission of higher education, um, public higher education in this country, which actually is in a bit, a bit of crisis. Um, but, you know, for student and the narrative out there that you can't do it, it's too expensive, that doesn't matter, that's really a dangerous narrative for this country, right? And for people. Um, 
not everybody needs to go to college. It's not what you tell your own kids, right? right. So that that whole na- set of narratives is very dangerous for our nation. I believe this, right? And that's part of what drives me, because it is possible. Mm-hmm. And you know, don't believe that stuff. Um, it's n- not going to cripple you in debt. The debt numbers are based on law school and veterinary school and private institutions. It's affordable. It can be done with a combination of, you know, loans and work and scholarships. You can do it. And we do it every day here, right? So that's what's, that's what it's the, the reimagine possible. Think again. You can do this. And when we want, it's so great. You get to come to our graduation sometime. Um, and we have, you know, I always announce the stats when I stand up there and I say, oh, the youngest student is 19 and the oldest student is 70. Mm-hmm. Every year we have people in their 60s and 70s walking across that stage. A lot of times we have them walk across the stage with their kid. They graduated at the same time. And that's the thing. And we we call it real college. That's what's happening in America. It's not this like country club, graduate from high school, go off to college at the little country club schools that are everywhere and all of the big rah-rah schools that are also becoming country clubs. That is an experience that a lot of wealthy Americans are having. It's not what the rest of America is having. Right. And the majority of American. They have these zigzag lives. They start, they stop. They, that's why 56% of our students are transfer students mm-hmm. because they're trying to figure it out. And that's going to continue in the post-COVID world, which we can talk about, like how COVID has affected yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the, the thing that I noticed, I went to Purdue University in the Midwest and the one thing I have heard from everyone that goes here, everybody that works here, is the students choose to be here. Right. They want to be here. They're getting every penny for their education. They are ecstatic to have the opportunity to learn whatever that coursework is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw a little bit of that at Purdue because it was a little harder to get in there, even though it was a state school. Mm-hmm. So sure, you had the people that were only there to party and be in a sorority and all that, whatever. But you do... You did have the engineers and the vets and these kids that worked super hard and came from all over the world. We had probably the largest aging population in 1980s at Purdue. That's where I got so much diversity because all the kids would be like, Purdue was like the Harvard. It's a great school. Yeah. Yeah. And Mitch Daniels happens to be a friend who's the president. So he's my other president I know. So I'm two, I'm two presidents. Ooh, it's awesome. At least. Um, yeah. <laughs> and he um, he's an awesome leader, too. That's great. I'm um, very dedicated to his students. So, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about interesting. You had reimagine impossible, never knowing everything would have to be reimagined when the entire yeah, world closed right. down with a global pandemic. And so... Um, I know I have some inside scoop because I've worked so closely with the university through all of this that we've been online, our, our content's been online. Um, but tell me, like, as as you had to reimagine leading a university, what would be some of the skills that helped you that you had? And what would you tell others when they have to totally just stop what they thought was already always going one way and take a leadership role in something that's hard and different? Sure. Well, first of all, um, I mean, this is where, you know, I've, I've reimagined myself a couple times, like in my life, in my career. And every time I do, I realize that the stuff that I did before actually did matter and did help me. <laughs> I thought I was just going to leave it all behind, you know, and you come here. And um, as a university president, one of the first questions I asked was, so what's our crisis planning protocols or what are they? And it turns out we really didn't have many or very good ones. And that was a huge red flag for me. 
And, you know, turns out we needed that. And so the first thing about crisis planning is <laughs> it, it, it needs to be planned. You need to think about bad things ahead of time, or at least how you're going to communicate and what you're going to do. So luckily we've done some of that. Um, so that we started planning for a COVID scenario back in like December or January. And people thought we were crazy. And I, I was kind of like, whatever, Larry Sampler, I'll give him all the credit, vice, or vice president for admin and finance, also a former Green Beret. And it's he like, comes in and he's like... Sounds like the war planning job yeah, back there a little bit. It is, right? And he came uh -huh. and he goes, we need to do this. And I said, whatever. And nobody wanted to do it. They thought he was crazy. He goes, that's fine. But let's just use it as an example for practice because we have to do that. We have to have right. period. And so <laughs> when February and March hit, he had all these gates like... What will we do when this happens and this happens and this happens? So when the first COVID case hits the shores, when the first COVID case hits Colorado, when we have, you know, our first COVID case on campus. So our patient zero was one of our vice presidents. Wow. And when that happened, boom, we yeah. executed the plan. Yeah. And we were ready. We had, and to his credit, like we were ready. And um, we pivoted online, which a lot of people you know, even I was teaching a class. <laughs> I had to pivot online. So for the faculty to be like, you're making us do this. I was like, well, I'm doing it too. And it turns yeah. out I thought it was going to be really hard and it's not that hard. Yeah. We, we can do it. So that was a big issue. Um, we, we did that. I mean, people should know that pivoting to a, a regular class to an online class is not the same as designing an online class from the beginning. Yeah. So that's what we, we ended up doing. So that was you know, a huge issue. But the other thing, you know, to your question about like, you know, my military experience, crises are like when someone walks into your office and you're a leader and they say, you know, the, wor the world's on fire. Yeah, whatever it is. It's really weird how I reference back to my pilot training. Interesting. When there's a, and what they taught us, and this is just like, when there's a crisis in the, when you smell smoke in the cockpit, yeah. you know, what's the first thing you do? Pause. Maintain aircraft control. Analyze the situation. Take appropriate action. So everyone's running in. We got to do this. We got to do this. Everybody sit down. Breathe through your nose. Nice. First thing is maintain aircraft control. So main, so it, are things functioning in the university right now? Is everybody right. safe? Right. What's happening right now? Make sure you know what's happening right now. Okay, now let's analyze the situation. Okay, now what are we going to do? What are our options? And that really helps. So, mm -hmm. I mean, this is my tip of all time for all leaders in crisis. Mm -hmm. Breathe through your nose. Breathe. I know you do yoga. It yeah. helps. Just stop for one second. You can stop for 30. You can probably stop for an entire hour before you have to, quote, do something. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that really. Will make the action so much better. And it just better. happened over and over during COVID. Yeah. Or COVID. Yeah, and, and two, I guess my other thing would be stop and figure out what's real. Because everybody yeah. hypes, oh, well, it, um, I used to be in um, YEO, which is like YPO, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the things is you could never should on someone. You could never talk unless you had the experience. So you could say, well, what would you do? And if I hadn't sold a company or had to fire a vice president or had to you know, go through bankruptcy, I never could comment. You could only comment from personal experience. Interesting. And I think that is a really interesting rule because mm -hmm. people say, well, this is what I think. And then you say, well, where is that from? Well, what if it's an unprecedented situation yeah. like COVID? Right. <laughs> right. So, but, but your experience was, this is what I learned in a mm -hmm. cockpit, right. not, um, 
we should all pay it. You know, yeah. like you said, I you're bringing relevant information from a past experience. There, and I yeah. think that that is critical because people get so hyped up in the media and the opinion and the public poll and all that. Yeah. What is real? Yeah. Well, I've never been through COVID. None of us have. So what have we learned? What's similar? I was in war planning. I used to fly. Yeah. What? Who else? I'm a great planner. I know about, you know, how we organize this or how we close that or how we, you know. Yeah. And I uh, think um, then it brings the best out of people. Right. And right. we all can say, we've never been here before. I still wake up and say, I know we did the stew book. So I know COVID happened. You know, I know some of the products of COVID that were un unbelievable that we Got yeah. 62 women to write so thousand-word yeah. essays, which I know you've seen. Um, the other well, thing was people thinking that, like, we're the only ones going through this. Yeah, I mean, like, look, there's 5,000 universities across this across this country, and oh, even more across the world. They're all dealing with this. Okay, so let's figure out what other people are doing, and you know, see if we can learn from them before we choose our course of action here. Well, that's you know? that collaboration model. Mm -hmm. You know, Mitch Daniels early went to the media and said, "I'm going to open campus." Right, that was scandalous. Yeah. Oh yeah, I Purdue. That. Remember? Yeah, I'm an open campus, and also I'm freezing tuition. I mean, he has your same heart about let's mm -hmm. give student value. I'm going to freeze tuition. Come on, it's getting worse out there. It's not better. Let's not put it on these kids. Yeah. You know, yeah. people think he's a crazy guy, and he's kind of a crazy guy in lots of ways. But um, you know, very um, principled leader. Yeah. So um, awesome. Well, so, okay, we got all that. So, what are you excited about now? I mean, you have had incredible legislative success. I want to call you out. And the funny thing that I care about the most, which is not all the things you got and all the money and all, is that people don't have to take standardized tests to get into college. Because I have a daughter who is twice exceptional and high ADHD yeah. and hugely brilliant, but cannot test. Yeah. And she never did have to take an SAT because she was on her boat ship and then she went to fashion school. But I think that's really important, yeah. never to turn yeah. somebody down who could be a bad tester, who that stops their future of going to a university. So yeah. I, I saw that as one of the things that yeah, you had for, in some of the thanks work. Thanks for pointing that out because, well, first of all, MSU Denver is by law an access institution, which means um, anybody can come here if they have a high school diploma or a GED, right? So we're not selective by design because we know that people have had things happen in their lives that put them off course. Um, we also know, but, but even though that's by law, what we're allowed to do and what we do do by mission, um, in Colorado, all the students are still required to take the SAT. It's like, we don't look at it, but you have to take it. And, and we know that the SAT is intimidating, but we also know it measures one thing really well more than anything else. Wealth. Interesting. It measures wealth. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing it measures. Why? Because if your students can, if your parents can afford those Gucci SAT prep courses, which I never took. Yeah. I did when I, I went back to took. grad school. I paid for it with my own money yeah. to prep, and my scores went way up because I took those yeah. courses. So it measures wealth. Yeah. And um, and then there's the issues that you just discussed, right? Which we are optimized to help students like that. Um, and uh, the quote so-called selective universities um, are not. And because why do they have to be? Mm -hmm. um, so that's the thing. And so, but the, so you could say, why does it even matter whether they change the law? You're not looking at the SAT scores anyway, because it discourages all these students out there, like your daughter, yes. from even trying because right. they're like, well, I can't even do it, you know? Right. So now you don't And even then have it's, to. A, it's a, it's like a label. You scored mm -hmm. poorly on some stupid test that 
you know, it was in a moment of time that you, you know, and it gives you a label. Oh, you were high, you were low. You That makes you smart or not. Right. Which is so wrong. And doesn't necessarily um, predict your success in life. It doesn't measure things like grit. doesn't measure things right. like passion. It doesn't measure, you know, and so you see all these other ways that people are going to succeed in their lives. And so well, anyway. I think some of the weird blessings of COVID yeah. was, you know, that, Lots of people woke up to things like the SAT test. It was impossible. And then they were trying to do it online, all this, because I was right in the midst. Dr. That's Sarah right, because they're all like remote. They can't yeah. take the test. And they can't. And then there was all this thing. And then like, so anyway, so I call you out for not only yeah. all the financial things, but everything. Yeah. So what are you personally excited about now? You know, besides running this incredible university and building on this, you know, is there something else like, yeah. you know, do I want to do a marathon in Hawaii or um, I want to <laughs> no. knit? You <laughs> no. know, I mean, like, I don't want to do any of what that. What is it that well, also... I am excited about the, the university stuff. That's true. Um, we did have some successes that we can build on. And the main success is that people woke up to this idea that there's inequitable fu funding across the state. And that yeah. that's just not cool anymore. Like, it yeah. might have been cool 40 years ago to say, oh, that school where the low-income people, we're just not going to give them as much money per student. Like, yeah. and now they say, uh, that's yeah. not cool. That's so not cool. That it, That's a huge thing. Hopefully, huge. we can build on that. But personally, what do I want to do? Um, well, I want to keep doing this. Yes. You know, I want to, I want to, I can't believe it's been four years. It's gone by so fast, especially because of COVID, that I feel like these things I was about to do that got kind of put on pause or derailed, yeah. you have to kind of redo yeah. or pivot. And so that's really important. But for me, and I think you and I were talking about this earlier, I want to be like a smart 55-year-old so that I'm going to be a healthy and smart 65 and 75-year-old so that I can do those things. I mean, I've traveled all around the world. It isn't like I've been waiting to do all those things. Right. I will do more of those things, but um, I don't have like this, you know, I, I want to I be centered. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like I work on that a lot more now than I did before. Like, I, I don't want to get to, you know, be 80 and say, oh, I didn't do all these things. I, that's not necessarily how I want to define myself, right? right? I want to just be, um, I want to be happy and content with being able to get up every morning and make a difference in people's lives. Well, you, know? you couldn't say it any better than that. Yeah, I would say if you're listening, it's about living in the now. It is. Because especially. Thank you. That's what I meant to say. It's living in the now. <laughs> I say now is a new later because. You know, I see my parents' generation, when we retire, we're going to travel. When we And I think for our generation, because we're just five years apart, this now is a new later. Like, yeah. like if you want to do it, figure out how to do it. And yeah, and it's it because we also figured out this idea about balance. I remember I had a job one time and my boss said, you know, one of her pr principles was balance, work-life balance. And I... And I was talking to my dad about my new job, and he's like, well, what, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Like, he literally did not know yeah. the concept because all he did was work, work, work. Yep. And so he did that. He would well, work, 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 and then when I'm retired, I can travel and play golf, which he does. But my mother never made it yep. that far. Right. And that's, you know, you look back, like, that was a lesson to me. Yeah. Like, she was going to wait until whatever before she ever did this or that or this or that, but, you know, her health didn't get her that far. Yeah. And so, so that's another lesson. Big Be lesson. the person today for your person tomorrow. Every time I get cranky about getting up early to exercise, I'm like, this 60 year old self is working for the 80 year old self. Exactly. Because you do not want, you do not want to be suffering 
when you're still mentally and emotionally ready to have fun, serve the world, all the things we love. And I think the other thing you hear in Janine is it's the passion and purpose that makes whatever you choose in your job um, a joy and keeps you alive. Because wherever you are, if you can figure a way to serve others in your job, and if it's not in your job, outside your job, in your community, if you want to go back to school and reinvent yourself, whatever's possible, and go to fashion design school in your <laughs> 60s or perhaps take a film course, that's for me. Um, do it. Do it. Do it. And what's the worst thing? <laughs> you didn't do great in it. Doesn't matter. You're doing it for fun. Well, we um, we are so thankful on behalf of the 5,000 women, the Camp Experience Network, that a large, super cool organization that serves so many also partners with us and that we're able to help the Student Emergency Fund deliver Chromebooks on your day of giving. We gave $3,800. Right. You know, like, so awesome. like yep. that was just, that wasn't even in our plan. It's just everybody got all excited about helping the students and then we're all in and we're bringing our annual retreat to the MSU Denver campus. We have you leading a panel of women, which I hope you've dived deep on them and that make them tell the truth about, you know, what works and what doesn't work because awesome. no one needs to hear about the accolades. People want to know, how did you make the choice and how do you stay alive? and serving at every place that you are. So thank you on behalf of all of us uh, for your partnership and your great work in the world. And you have all been listening to Boost Power Podcast. The entire purpose is just for you to plug in, hear a great story, be uplifted, feel great, enjoy this life you live. Please listen to us and subscribe on any of your favorite podcast apps and share this story. This is your host, Betsy Wearsma. Thank you for listening to Boost Power Podcast and plugging into stories from the journey of business and life. Our music today is by singer-songwriter Megan Burt. We are recorded at Cinder Sound Studios and we're part of the Global Sisterhood Podcast Network. Women who amplify their voices and are committed to inspiring all people with podcasts on purpose. Learn more at globalsisterhoodpodcastnetwork.com.